Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. And Travis, I'm just looking at it. We're on episode 15. Does that seem like a lot or a little to you? I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't keep track of numbers. I'm not good at math. Yeah, feels like we've been doing it a while now. Well, I'm Natalie when did we Dillon. When did we start doing podcasts? I think and in the I spring. And I just totally cut you That's off That's okay. Again. They know who yeah. we are at this point, hopefully. A long time listeners. Um, spring. Because our first one was Morel Mushrooms. Mm. So it's probably, what, April? Yep, that's right. Yep, we got into the morels. Oh, man, that'll be around soon enough. I'm trying to figure out how to make this microphone work. And it's Brandon's fault if you can't hear us today because he's not even here. <laughs> yeah, we're a little thrown off today. So Travis and I are here. Brandon is out of the office today, so we've got a little different setup. We hope the audio is as great as ever. But, yeah, we're dealing with microphones today. Yeah. Um, I think it looks good. I think that's worked, actually. So I have this, like arm attachment to the counter <laughs> and you've got a, my, a tripod stand. Normally I have these awesome headsets. Brandon, we need you back. We need you to get healthy, heal up, um, and help us. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it is just going to be Travis, you and I today, but it's been a while since it's been just the two of us and we've got a lot to catch up on before yeah. we jump into the real topic of today's conversation. Should we give it away yeah, now? Yes, yes. Okay, so today's episode... I just said so, so. very Minnesotan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite ways to get outside and do something very good for the body, mind, and soul um, in the wintertime, something that I love. And Travis, I think you have a lot of questions about and are intrigued by. And yeah, I'm very is... intrigued by this because I jumped into a lake mm-hmm. that was had frozen ice on top <laughs> one time and it takes yeah. your breath away. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah, we are this. talking about cold plunging. So yeah. like there's there's a lot of different names for this and we can get into that later, but essentially for the purposes of today's conversation, getting into a lake in the upper Midwest in the winter yeah. and not jumping out immediately. How so. often do you do this? So people I mean, it totally ranges. I like to do some kind of cold therapy or cold exposure, like as many days of the week as I can. Am I going down to the lake every day? Definitely not. So it's usually like cold showers and things. But I try to get out, you know, into the lake. Um, My goal for this year is just once a week. But cold exposure, you know, more Mm -hmm. days than that. So Gotcha. Yeah. We can get all into the the protocol and how to and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And I've been... Curious about this topic for over a year. It looks crazy. It if does. You're not I used feel like to it. I, I feel like I need to do it. I'm yeah. going to try it this winter. I think you probably will convince we'll me today, you and you might convince others and tell people where they can do it. Yeah. Uh, there's obviously some safety for sure uh, that needs yeah, to we'll, be taken we'll into talk about that. account yeah. too. Um, but I think I'm most curious. I was going to text you last week mm-hmm. because I saw breaking news across all kinds of social media channels, mm-hmm. probably the news stations themselves, mm-hmm. about the crack. That opened on up Lake. on Red Lake. And yes. you told me on our last show that you were heading to Red Lake. And I was like, well, there goes Natalie. She's yeah. out in the middle of the lake, never to be seen again. Thankfully, that was far from where we were. So yeah, last week, I've actually had an ongoing girls trip. And the group and the purpose and stuff has changed a lot over the years. But I think this is, might have been the fifth or at least the fourth year where every year right around Thanksgiving, a group of us girls goes up to Red Lake for first you know, early ice, doing some you know, walleye fishing early in the year. And um, this year was challenging to say the least. I think I'll out myself. I told Travis it was a bust and that's semi-true, semi-not-true. But yeah, went up there. We were on Upper Red and the crack was on the south side. So we were pretty far from it. Okay. Um, But we did choose a day that our drive up, everyone came from different areas. There was like six of us girls. 
Our drive up was on the snowstorm. Um, well, a group, but Jenny, girl of 10,000 likes was up there. Nicole Stone outdoors, handful of others. So, Which yeah, of you, you social media fisher gals? Yeah, we actually, that's one of the cool things. We all yeah. over the years have connected through social media and not just through social media. Some of it just like reaching out in each other's DMs and fishing together, but also some like events that, you know, for women in fishing events and just like, you know, like things like the ice show and stuff. So, um, yeah, we've all just like connected and built relationships over the years. And yeah, we were all up there for... A number of reasons. First of all, a girls' ice fishing trip, and we were also doing some work for a brand. But the day that we drove up was the snowstorm last week on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So it took me like six hours to get up there. And then the one day that we were all fishing, um, the high was, I believe, eight degrees. And the, the yeah, and the sustained winds were 30 miles an hour. Yeah. So we didn't even end up fishing red. But, so that was up, the day the crack opened up then? It, that was the day before. Yeah. So it opened because up people the day were texting before. me like, "Are you still going to go?" And and where we were planning to fish was pretty, you know, very far from there. Mm -hmm. um, but we ended up not even fishing red because the conditions were so bad. Mm -hmm. We and we needed to like record some video and stuff. So we thought we'd get on a smaller panfish lake that would be like maybe a little bit more protected from the wind. Um, and it was rough. I mean, yeah. it was a great time because it's an awesome group of girls, and you know. We had fun out there. It was so beautiful. I kept like pausing and saying that we were fishing outside all day, and it was really like visually so beautiful to be up there. But uh, there was almost no fish caught. I think Dang. I caught the first fish the of the day. Just shut them down. It was in the afternoon, and it was like a two-inch perch. And then I think I got up to like a four-inch perch, and that was the biggest fish of the day. Brutal. It was tough. If we had more time, you know, we yeah. could have done more. But that's but, my old stopping grounds up there. I went to college. Is in it? Oh yeah. 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 I, my roommates and I, we would, um, we had this goal to fish as many lakes as possible. We didn't mm -hmm. set a, like, here's our target goal, but we would print out, this was before a lot of the, the apps mm -hmm. really gave you a lot of like the Onyx maps, you know, to really help <clears throat> figure out how to get to places. But we had these old road atlases mm -hmm. and then they had these lakes in the middle of the state forest and we're like, we need to, that one. we need to get to that one. Yeah. And sometimes we would find a lake that. You know, we would drill holes all the way across the lake mm -hmm. and in multiple directions, and we'd never find a fish in the lake. Sometimes we found lakes that you, like, to this day, you know, yeah. I still have that atlas. Yeah. And my buddies, you know, they still want me to give them the the information. I'd be like, hey, I'm um, heading up towards Bemidji. You got any cool places I should try? And I was like, like I do. But I do, yeah. I, I know where to go, and I love going up in the woods. Um, some days when we were in the woods, though, we wouldn't even make it to the lake that we were trying to get to because snow cover, or, snow cover, yeah. you yeah. know, and if you, I mean, there was, oh gosh, like we got so buried, so stuck mm -hmm. so many times, yeah. but that when you did get out to a lake and there were fish yeah. in it and you caught I mean, like the biggest bluegills yeah, or monster crappies or huge perch. And it's you know. so much more gratifying. It when is because it's like it took seven hours yeah. to get to this little tiny 40 acre, 20 yeah. acre puddle in the woods. But I once spent an entire day just trying to get out on a lake. I was with a group of people mm -hmm. and this this woman at this gas station told us first thing in the morning, you will not get out on that lake. And we're like, oh, that makes you want it know? anymore. We are going to yeah. get out there. Yeah. Everything from car getting stuck to, you know, snowmobiles getting stuck. I remember trying to push a snowmobile and just getting like pelted by the water, you know, like the layer of water that's underneath uh -huh. all the snowpack on the ice, like pelted in the face. Everything. This went on for like hours and hours and hours. 
finally, we just kept pushing through. We were just feeling strong and resilient, and we were not going to quit. It had to be like 2 or 3 p.m. We finally got out on the lake, and the both augers were not working because of the cold. It was like minus 10, and they're just, yeah, they just stopped working. So we packed up. We went home. But that trip sticks with you, It was one of my favorite days of ice fishing. (laughs) Exactly. Like some of the most miserable, some of the worst experiences Mm. I've ever been in or trips I've ever taken are Mm. some of the most memorable. And still to this day, I just like, I can remember somehow getting my buddy's truck like as it was spinning, it spun its way up a tree to the point that the tires were no longer touching anything. Yeah. We had to then find old logs. We didn't want oh to cut God. trees down. You're not cutting yeah. trees on wood. We found enough logs to build up to get him something that he could get yeah. traction off of to move that vehicle. But yeah, it's, it's a real it's adventure. A it's a real adventure. I'm glad those adventures still exist. Yes. I don't have the capacity to do them like I used to back when I was yeah. a single man. And uh, now, you know, a lot of responsibilities. Yeah. I, I have been on ice, but only because I've got a pond that I've groomed for my oh, kids yeah. to skate on and mm-hmm. play hockey. Really excited for first ice. A lot of our yeah. lakes here in the metro area are, um, you know, I drove around Lake Minnetonka this morning. on the way in. I out there this morning. I changed my travel during this time of the year because mm-hmm. I'm like, it's within me that I have to keep tabs on where things yeah. are freezing. And I'm like... I can get to that walleye spot. I know how to get to this one. There's if I if we get done with this podcast in enough time, I could go catch a, a couple walleyes for dinner. I hope today. you do. I don't know that I'll get it done, but I get excited this time. Yeah, year. yeah, yeah. I'm eager to get out. I got to redeem myself for last week. Yeah, that sounds terrible. You three need to do better than were, a four inch I'm, perch. I'm grateful for the three perch, but yeah. I think we can do better this year. When you um, when you were up on mm-hmm. red, or did you get a glimpse of how many people are out there? Because this is just like a that first couple of weeks of early ice up there, that lake freezes before anything else. Yeah. And people go up there by the thousands. Yep. And what did it look like a big so city? So I got up there in the dark and left in the dark the next morning. So, okay. but um, where we were at for, for dinner was slammed. But no, I was, the last couple of years that I've been out there, it's been a zoo. It's like an entire community of people out there. And it's a big, you know, big lake. So there's tons of ice out there and we've mm-hmm. always done pretty well. Um, always ca- caught plenty of fish and everything, but, uh, yeah, it's been kind of a party the last few years right around that week. I mean, yeah. everyone, it seems like in the state is going there. Yeah. So I, our friends up at Ballard's resort mm-hmm. on Lake of the Woods, I saw that they're going to have people going out to houses this Thursday. They're okay. opening it up. So I think depending on when we can get this podcast to Brandon yeah. and he gets it up, it could be today. It could be yeah. the day you're listening to this, but they have uh, about a foot of ice in places up wow. there and out past Pine Island, which is kind of historically where people go for first ice. Um, you know, the fish that come up the river, they start heading back into the main lake. If you hear some whining, that's my dog, <laughs> Daisy. It's not me there. in the background. Yes. It's Daisy. Um, but out from Pine Island, there was a big run as usual every year, every fall, the walleyes come up chasing the shiners. I was, you know, not there, but I talked to several people that said it was an exceptional fall. A lot of walleyes in the river. They expect a great early ice, a great ice season up there. Um, If you've never fished, if you're listening to this and you're like, gosh, what's this ice fishing stuff all about? If there's one place to go to experience what ice fishing history in this state uh, once looked like and still looks like, it's Lake of the Woods. Uh, They have several resorts up there. Ballard's is one of them, um, but they still have the bombardiers, the old 
They look like, have you been on one before, Natalie? Mm-mm, oh gosh, never. it's the coolest thing. It's so cool. They, they're. Paint us a picture. It's kind of like um, a bus and underneath it is snowmobile tracks, basically. There's skis to steer in the front and then big tracks underneath it. They are old. They mm-hmm. don't make them anymore. Um, so they just get maintained to keep them up and running. But on Lake of the Woods, it is so vast, so cold, so brutal during the winter that uh, they need a transportation system to get people to and from these houses. But taking a truck out there doesn't always work. Usually it does not. The amount of of the snowpack and the blowing snow, it's a full-time job just to keep a trail, a road open Mm -hmm. to drive a you know, a regular truck on it. Um, and they break down. I mean, you're talking 20 below common, yeah. uh, you know, these big ice chunks that are, they're hitting slush, uh, and then it freezes and it's just, you're constantly trying to keep things going to keep a plowed road open. I was talking to Joe Henry from the Lake of the Woods tourism. And I asked him, cause the last two years with COVID, they actually had a road going from, the South Shore up to the islands to, mm-hmm. because they, you couldn't go into Canada. So they yeah. had an ice road. And he said that it was just so expensive, too hard to maintain. They're not going to do it. You can still get there by air. Now you can go back through the angle and travel that way by road. But it just goes back to how ridiculous that place is to try to maintain a road, which is why these resorts still keep the bombers going, the snowmobile, or not the snowmobiles, but the... Yeah. Um, yeah, the bombers, I call them. And there's, you know, in the morning you go outside and it's 25 below zero, crisp, cold. And you, they got the, a lineup of these and, yeah. and everybody gets in. They take people out to houses. And you got Obviously, the right people around you and it's just. Yeah. Oh, and actually I should mention this. If you're thinking about, not you, Natalie, well, mm-hmm. you if you want, but if you're thinking, thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, Christmas coming up, you know, people are thinking about gifts. We do a trip up to Lake of the Woods every winter over like, gosh, I don't know the dates. I want to say it's President's Day weekend. We do uh, have a transportation service from Minneapolis. We meet at Cabela's and Rogers. We drive up and we we fish for a couple days and then the bus brings everybody back down. It's a coach bus. Oh, let's just say Coors Light sponsors it. (laughs) So there are beverages catered. Um, I want to say 50 people sign up the first 50 people to great go. Opportunity. Yeah. It's yeah. a great fishing trip. Everything is taken care of your food, the lodging, um, the, the meals are fantastic. Mm-hmm. They some take tips care of all for fishing fish. for people that are newer to ice fishing. Is there some coaching yeah, I going host on? It, so yeah, I give, okay. I give lures and tips yeah. and I mean, we gave away the last few years, we gave away anything from fish houses to augers to lures to all kinds of stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun. I had a baby last year, so or my wife had a baby just before that trip, and I didn't go last year, but I'm back in, and awesome. I think it's open now. So if you go to Do North Outdoors, uh, our website, you'll see on the homepage a page that people can go check it out. It's a great trip. A lot of people just re-sign mm-hmm. after the oh, year before because yeah. once they go once. But you get the full experience, mm-hmm. the ice fishing experience. It's, it's one of those things where you got to do it once. Yeah. And the beauty about Lake of the Woods is that from sun up till sunset, walleyes bite all day long. It's one of the very few places in the Midwest where fish walleyes will bite all day long. Yeah. And the water clarity is dirty, and that's the reason why. So 
if you go to certain parts of Lake of the Woods, you can catch them after dark, but mm-hmm. most of it is during the day. And that is just, it's business is booms up there in the winter. That's like its own culture up there. Got to experience it one time. Yeah. I encourage people to do it. And this is a great way to do it because it's all taken care of for you. And you get the shuttle out in a bomber. I think I need to maybe go this year. You can host Just, next you year. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. I've, I've only been to Lake of the Woods for musky fishing, which is a whole other mm-hmm. amazing experience that we can talk about more another day if we haven't already. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited. And for those of you that didn't hear our last podcast episode, too, which came out a couple weeks ago, we did a full ice fishing preview. So. Yeah, Matt Jensen from yeah. Apollo came in. Great guy. Yeah, let's I, give that a listen. Yeah, caught up with him again at the ice show the saint paul ice show was this past weekend did you go no because i was out of oh, town right. yeah yeah priorities where are your priorities by i know the way? i know i had i had two girls trips last week first was the red lake ish girls ice fishing trip and then i visited mm-hmm. some friends in chicago for a very different yeah girls trip but sure. i missed the ice show poor planning on my part yeah I've no kidding been a number of years though yeah it's it, a good one once again, it was packed. I just think, you know, we get early ice this year being, you know, relatively early or maybe People it's are average. so excited about They're it. They're so excited Everyone's losing out. their minds right now. Yes, yeah. totally. In the, the best booths, way. Every, every single one of them, mm-hmm. they were just packed. Um, I, I hung out with our friends at Ice Castle and um, the new Ice Castle fish houses are awesome. So it was kind of fun to see some of the new things that they've been working on there. Um, but just overall, the amount of ice fishing equipment and and things that are out there, pretty mm-hmm. cool. Gets, cool. It gets me going. So, Travis, before we really dive in, no pun intended, but let me oh, say that was pretty good. Was before pretty we dive good. into cold plunging today, yeah. what, what else is new in your world? What have you got going on? Well, it's still hunting season. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I host Do North Outdoors with you, but I also host another TV show called The Flush and Rooster Tales. These are up on bird hunting. So... Yeah, uh, it's busy. You know, we're flying through hunting season. Um, and the fall, if I could choose my favorite time of the year, it's the fall because I love to hunt just as much as I love to fish. Uh, but you can only hunt for a few months of the year and uh, try to make the most of it. But I've had, I, th- I wanted to say that if I look back on it, I probably had one of the best hunting seasons of my life. It's amazing. Yeah. Any standouts that you want to share? Yeah, uh, really, um, well... For filming-wise, it was just some of the amazing places I, I was able to go. Alaska, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then different parts across the Midwest mainly. I'm working on, I might be going to Oregon later this weekend. Like, some things are changing really fast. I like uh, that you say Oregon. Oregon. Sorry to cut you off. Oregon? Well, I say Oregon, but when I hear Oregon, it reminds me of the Oregon, Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Be careful, don't lose any wheels on uh, your... <laughs> yeah, I know. What's What are some of the sicknesses? <laughs> Sorry, just Typhoid derailed. Fever? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, buffaloes running around. I won't be going with a, with a wagon, with a... <laughs> so I'd be, you know, transportation. So modern of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would love to do that, by the way. Um, yeah, so just the places, you know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the... The views, once you get out and you put yourself into places or into situations that most people don't want to hike into, you know, what's over the next hill and the next hill or the next mountain peak or whatever, you know, you get into some of those places and it's just like, you feel small and it's humbling and I think that's good. Um, But then, you know, just around home with my kids, really um, 
getting into hunting a lot and being there for a lot of it. When I wasn't working, I was hunting specifically with them. Uh, my nephew, who is 10, Kingston is his name, he was eligible to go deer hunting for the youth opener or the youth deer season this year. Minnesota has now over MEA weekend. So we went up to our where we go deer hunting. Uh, we've been doing it now for, I think, four years with the kids. So there's like one, two, three. There's like four of us dads, and we had a total of, I think, eight kids this year. And the best weekend ever. Uh, we, we bring, you know, all kinds of stuff for the kids to do and experience. But, the, you know, for Kingston, my nephew, it was to pull the trigger on a deer. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge, huge thing. How did uh, he feel going into it? Like, excited, He was just nervous. so pumped. Okay. Yeah. My sister kept saying, like, he can't sleep. Mm-hmm. He's so excited. So we went out and practiced. You know, we started years ago with BB guns, 22 then up to shotgun, um, you know, and they've been practicing gun safety. And I wouldn't take the kids out if they weren't ready. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've spent so much time doing it, and my, my boys and my daughter comes with too. But for Kingston to practice shooting uh, a deer rifle and to be confident was a big deal. So we are at the range, and at 100 yards, he was making, you know, excellent shots, putting them right in the bullseye. His shot was phenomenal. That's easier to do when you're at a range than when there's a deer standing in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's when everything Adrenaline's changes. Going. Adrenaline, your mm-hmm. heart gets pumping. Buck fever can set mm-hmm. in. You shake so much you can't hold still. Uh, we're out there in the woods. Or we're out there actually. My, my friends got a farm up north. We're just up by Roseau, Minnesota. I shouldn't say just. It's way up there. But um, we're sitting in the blind. Kingston's got the rifle. All this preparation has gone into it. My boys are sitting in there too. So there's four of us in the blind, but we knew that there was a good chance a deer could come out into the edge of the field that we're sitting in. And sure enough, we get three deer come out and we're watching and they come out at like 150 yards. And I said, we're just going to let them keep walking this way if they want to. Maybe other deer might come, but we have like an hour before dark and there's plenty of time. Okay. So we're watching, we're watching and the deer keeps slowly coming mm-hmm. closer, and all I'm starting to get shaky. Yeah, just thinking like about all it. the kids are just pumped, you know, and they're at about 110 yards, probably 115 yards, and they just they're eating in the field and you know doing no idea that we're there, which is perfect. The wind was right. I'm like, we'll just let them keep coming. But what I did at that point, once I got a little closer, is I said, all right, I want you to pretend like you're going to take a shot go through all the steps. Can you hold it still? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to hold it? We kept talking through it, whispering. And at that distance, he just felt like he wasn't sure that he could hold it. He goes, Uncle Travis, I, I can't hold it steady enough. So that's okay. Take a deep breath. And we'll try again. You know, the safety was on. Mm-hmm. He wasn't ready to take the shot, but I wanted him to get comfortable doing it in the hopes that they would keep coming closer and he wouldn't have to take that far shot. Well, um, I sitting next to him, we're on the ground in a ground blind and he's got the tripod. And I said, okay, I am going to wrap my arms around you, buddy, and just hold your body still and hold your hand on the tripod. You have to do the aiming. I can't see, but I want you to see if you can hold it and pretend to squeeze the trigger. 
take a deep breath. Can you hold it still to take mm-hmm. a good shot? Were you actually like holding him still or was yeah. it more just the like comfort of it? So you were, okay. Yeah, I'm, I've got my arms around him, giving him a big bear hug basically. Yeah. And Because I'm sure that e- even in itself probably helped him settle his own nerves too. Sure, I and imagine. you know, I we did that like five times and every mm-hmm. time he said, yeah, I can take that shot. I, I'm confident I can take it. You know, and he's mm-hmm. very mature to make sure that he takes this good shot, which came in handy because all of a sudden the deer got alerted and they're at a hundred yards and they all put the tails up and I go, okay, buddy, if you're comfortable, we'll take this shot. Mm -hmm. They were watching something across the field. We couldn't see it because our blind was closed to it. We didn't know what it was, but I didn't hurry him. I just said, if you're comfortable, we're going to take the safety off. You're going to take the shot. And he goes, yes, I can do this, Uncle Travis. I "I know you can, buddy. I know you can. You've proven it, that you can do it. This is your shot. You know, and it's just like all these emotions Mm -hmm. that are are happening right now. And he squeezes the trigger, and the deer jumps and runs back into the woods. And in my eyes, I I looked and I thought, that's a hit. Mm -hmm. He goes, ah. You know, like the emotions take over. The other boys are like, you did it. You did it. You know, and we did big hugs. The gun was safe, you know, put back on safe. The deer ran in the woods. This is a major moment in a hunter's life. Your first time shooting a deer. And I go, buddy, I think you got your first deer. And he's so excited, just shaking. (laughs) I can see it all. Yes, totally. So we get out of the blind. We walk down and we walk over to where the deer was standing and there's no shot of a hit. Mm-hmm. And now the excitement turns a little bit into... Worry. What, was it a hit? You know, you start to doubt yourself a little bit. This is a common thing for hunters to go through. You take the shot, and if it doesn't go down, you think, did I drop it? Mm-hmm. Or did, it, did I miss it? Or did I hit it? Or did I miss it? You know, and I have been taught early on to... If I pull the trigger, I'm going to do everything in my power to recover that animal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's a duck, a pheasant, a deer, everything I can to recover it. So I, now we're going into track mode with the boys. My buddy, here's the shot. He comes driving mm-hmm. over probably like it's about 45 minutes after. So it's just getting dark now. Mm-hmm. Um, he drives. And this is an important part of the story. There's a little grass strip that he drove the, the ATV down to come out there, and it's a mowed strip in between a fence and the field that we were hunting. And so he drives down right up to us, and he goes, I heard the shot. It sounded like you hit it. And we said yes, but we haven't found any blood. So we go in to look for this deer, and an hour goes by. We have no sign of a hit, and all of a sudden, Matt goes, I found blood. And now the excitement level for these boys go way Mm -hmm. high. But in my mind, I'm like, we should have found something right away if it was a good hit. I'm worried about it. Anyway, we find more blood, more, and we're following the trail, and time goes by, and it's getting late now, a couple hours uh, of searching. We're quite a distance into the woods, a few hundred yards and I've got three young kids. My six-year-old um, has been up way past his bedtime the night before when we traveled up, got up very early to get out hunting, and they have to eat, and I'm thinking, okay, I need to be a dad here at the same time. Guys, we're going to go back to the cabin, we're going to eat, and then we're going to come back out and search more afterwards. I might come out mm-hmm. when you guys are in bed, and we're going to keep searching. And the whole time, my nephew Kingston, you know, we were talking about 
I said, well, just say a prayer, you know, Mm because we prayed before we went out there that you would make a good shot and have a good opportunity. And he was was praying. And I told him when we were walking out there, I said, the first year I ever got, I was sitting in a deer up in a tree, and I put my own stand up in the tree. Anyway, I shot, and I watched the deer run a huge circle, and it came back and laid down right under the tree, right underneath my tree. Boomeranged. Yes, exactly. And he goes, wow, Uncle Travis, that's amazing. And so we're walking out of the woods, and we get in the ATV, and we're driving back across the field to the blind to where we were sitting. And I said, Matt, we need to stop and get uh, some things out of the blind here. And um, we get to the blind, and we turn the headlights onto the mowed trail right next to the blind, and there is his deer. And we were just stunned. We didn't know what, because on the way back. Were you like laughing and high-fiving? We were just following the trail 400 yards into Mm -hmm. the swamp going the other direction. Matt, to get to us while we were in the woods, he drove this along this field down this mowed path to get to us. He would have had to drive over that deer to get to us. He obviously didn't do that. The yeah. deer wasn't there. While we were in the woods, the deer ran out and came and laid by the blind. And my nephew goes, Uncle Travis, I just want to tell you, I was praying that when we came out of the woods, the deer would be laying right by the blind. And both Matt and I looked at each other and we're like, oh. I, I mean, if, d- you, don't, we, we, if we, you don't get the chills listening yes, to that. I know. It, it was just the most unbelievable. Like, unbelievable story. We couldn't explain anything. We were following this thing south. It came out, ran all the way across this field and laid down right by the blind. Wow. You know, and it, it just everything, you know, if you're a hunter, you know, the shot is a big deal and following a blood trail, you know, as gruesome as this talk sounds, is, is essential to mm-hmm. it. Well, there was no, and <laughs> to get a little bit gory for a second here, Natalie, there was no exit wound. The the hole was plugged, so there was no trail to follow. Yeah. Um, and so we had very little to go off of. He made a perfect shot. Wow. It, and that's the interesting thing. It, the, the shot hit right where he was aiming, mm-hmm. right in the vitals. How it got where it got and got yeah. back, you know, and how far we tracked it. And I've been telling this story all fall as a reminder to people that when they're hunting and they pull the trigger and they're, they, a lot of times people will give up. A lot yeah. of times people will give up and say, I must have missed it. But it's amazing how if you stick with it, you know, you can recover that animal and you owe it to that animal. I constantly see people yeah. or hear people say, ah, it didn't look like a hit. They don't even go look. Mm-hmm. You know, think about all the hours we That's spent looking for that. Point. And I've done that my whole life. I go back. Somebody will tell me a story. I camp. And they'll be like, ah, it, it kind of jumped up. I thought I hit it. There was some hair there. I must have grazed it. I've heard mm-hmm. that so many times. I'm like, yeah, your bullet just happened to graze this. Yeah. No, that's a hit. You've put in you all the work to be there, there anyway. Yeah, so there was something that plugged the hole and prevented it from looking like it was a good shot. A lot of people would have given up. That deer came back. And we weren't going to give up. We are going to go back. But thanks to the power of my nephew's yeah. prayer, it that's came beautiful. to us, which is just so incredible. Uh, and so that You've story- got to write all of this down so that he, I mean, he's old enough. He'll remember it all. Oh, yeah. But just to be able to go back and, and read this and look back at it in yeah. 10, 15 years. For the distance, like both Matt and I, the kids were riding in the, in the Ranger and we said, stay here. We both walked up there and we're like, we can't explain this. You know, he's like, I drove right past here coming wow. to get you. This was not here. It's like, the is that the done. deer? And I'm like, that's 
I mean, it's a beautiful doe. Yeah. That's the deer that he shot at. And we looked at it, we walked up to it, and then we both looked at each other and we looked back at the kids in the ATV, they're yeah. waiting and we're like, Kingston, this is your deer. Wow. <laughs> and he came out and the hugs and high fives yeah. and just like, oh, the experience. And, and I think to me, you know, being there with the kids, they came back then two weeks later for my hunting season, my mm-hmm. oldest and I brought my nephew up there and they watched and we went in a mile and a half into mm-hmm. a state forest where we hunted and they spent four days in the blind with me and the stories we talked about and just I remember going into the woods when I was a kid with my dad mm-hmm. and uh, now bringing them along and every year from now on we're going to have more and more kids coming up there I just it's such a rich time of the year yeah and it's just it's just why I love the fall so much like it not only did he get a deer that weekend with the kids we had eight kids there uh, we went and we've scouted for ducks. We mm-hmm. got a field. The ducks and geese were coming into um, my boy. Funny story again. We've got a flock of like seventy mallards, sixty mm-hmm. mallards working our decoys. And they, when if you hunt field for ducks, you're going to get these birds that circle. They might circle two or three, four times before they come in and land. Well, we're all in there. We got hearing protection on all the kids, you know. And I'm sitting right next to Weston, my my oldest boy, and. Um, he's one of the, the kids ready to shoot. And then my nephew Kingston and my friend's daughter Addison. So there's three kids and we're in an A-frame blind. And then Cash is sitting there watching too, along with two other young girls. Anyway, this big flock of mallards is going to come in. Everyone's going to have a shot at all yeah. these birds. And I go, wait, just wait, just wait. And my son can't hear me. Here comes this, this one single oh, no. mallard hovering right over the decoy spread. And all of a sudden, without being told, he pulls up and goes, bam, and drops it. And the whole flock oh, goes, and everyone's no. like, what the heck? Hey, but then we realize, right? here's this eight-year-old boy that pulls up and drops this yeah. beautiful mallard. You know, And it was it went from like, what happened to whoa buddy yeah. <laughs> you nailed it you know and just like i you know i don't know it's just yeah. all part of it that's great yeah they got a shot at their first grouse um it's and just this been thing, every single kid there will remember all of this yes forever, you know? absolutely and just the the hunting cabin traditions bunk beds in the cabin uh making the meals out of what we harvested yep. we got a bunch of ducks we got a deer we got grouse we got woodcock Oh gosh, we just had too many memories to count, and I, as you can tell, like I could go on probably for hours on telling I stories. I don't want to continue forever. this, but, <laughs> but I just I've had the most rich hunting season, and I don't want it to end. As much as I'm excited for the yeah. ice fishing season, I'm still hunting. Now I'm gonna ice fish too. Your excitement is palpable. It's contagious. Oh, good. Thank you. The holiday season is upon us, and I have a gift idea for you that might just be the greatest gift you can give a loved one, especially a mentor in your life or a young child. I'm talking about a lifetime hunting or fishing license. Heck, you can even get them both. That's what my wife and I did for our two boys. We saved up and got them each a lifetime sportsman's license when they were five and six years old. Just last week, my entire family pitched in to get our nephew a lifetime sportsman's license for Christmas. It's the gift that keeps giving for the rest of their life. If they move out of Minnesota, that's okay. Their license is always valid when they come back. If license prices go up, that's okay. Their license is already purchased. When I say forever, I mean forever. And just think about 
all of the memories they'll be making on the water, in the fields, and in the woods. The process to obtain this license is very simple. Just head to the Minnesota DNR website and search for lifetime licenses. You'll see all of the licenses available and the information needed to order them. This year, instead of purchasing a gift that will go out of style or get tossed in the dumpster, get your loved one a gift that lasts forever. Share the outdoor passion this holiday season. One day, they might just tell you it's the greatest gift they've ever received. I've been on the road a lot this fall, drinking water from a lot of remote locations and hunting camps, and for the first time, the drinking water has been extremely noticeable. And unfortunately... Many times, not in a good way. That's because I have a Connecticut drinking water system in my house, giving my family and I the cleanest, purest water possible. The water in some of those other locations, not always so pure, not always so clean, and I can taste it. I tell people all the time just how much of a difference pure water makes now that I have installed the Connecticut water system in our home. Our drinking water is safe and tastes great, and our appliances don't run on hard water. And if I had hair, that would be soft and smooth too. At least that's what my wife and kids tell me. We have so much peace of mind knowing that we have safe water in our home. Connecticut provides the world's most efficient water softening systems. They use significantly less salt than other systems and zero electricity. Aquarius Home Services install Connecticut systems, and they believe in earning the right to be recommended, and I recommend them. Find out how clean, pure water can change your life. Schedule your free water analysis today at AquariusHomeServices.com. This episode of Do North Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Sportsman's Guide. For everything you need to enjoy the fun, freedom, and traditions of the outdoors, you got to check out sportsmansguide.com. From hunting and fishing to camping, hiking, and just hanging around a bonfire in the backyard, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Tree stands, blinds, rods and reels, ATV accessories, and so much more. Clothing and footwear, too, from top-notch brands like Scentlock, Nomad, Mountain Hardware, Irish Setter, Danner, Ah, the list just keeps on going. Plus, a full line of firearms, ammo, and accessories. The bottom line, if it happens outdoors, you'll find it at Sportsman's Guide. Shop today at sportsmansguide.com and use the code DUNORTH for $20 off your first order. That's DUNORTH, all one word, for $20 off your first order. Uh, let's t- let's switch gears now. Um, let's talk about this topic that I've been okay. curious about for a very long yeah. time. You ready? Believe it or not, I want to throw it out there right away. This this podcast topic wasn't my idea. This was Travis's. Yeah, because I want to understand this. Mm-hmm. I want to understand why the heck you're jumping into a lake in the middle of winter. I know. It does look crazy. So yeah, we can shift gears. Um, yeah, cold plunging. So I can... St- well, you know what? I should start by saying neither Travis nor I, if you're not aware, are medical professionals. Yes, so we're and we don't be- have Brandon here to fact check anything. Ex- exactly, so, yeah. yeah. So we're you know going to be talking a lot about jumping into very cold water. I'll even talk about some of the you know potential health benefits and things like that. But we should say we are not encouraging anybody to do this. Um, for sure, if you do it, you want to speak to a medical professional first because there are hazards that come along with it. It's very cold water. So, really? of course, so you talk to a like, doctor first before you do this? <clears throat> well, do as you say, not as you do that. What the heck? Come on. <laughs> so I've been, yeah. No, I would say I would encourage people to do so, but no, I didn't. I feel like I've been in, I've been dabbling in cold kind of my whole life, which okay. isn't an excuse. I probably should have, but it's something I went into very gradually. 
But it can, I mean, like hypothermia is a real thing, like cold shock, there's like cardiac implications and mm-hmm. things like that. So, well, where do you go to do this? So, what we're going to be like primarily talking about today is actually like the outdoor cold plunging. So, there's a place that I like to go um, just in, on Lake Harriet. So, here in the Twin Cities, um, there's a great organization. There's like a Facebook group. It's called the Harriet Magic Hole. It's just kind of what it was named, I know, originally. But um, there's place, I mean, you can really do it anywhere. Um, it's easiest to do this cold swimming before ice because you can just like go on any beach anywhere. I was just out, you know, with a friend last week, um, right. Actually we got there like right before the lake froze over. Um, and you know, you can just go out and swim and the water is freezing cold. It's aesthetically looks a lot cooler and like the photos are great when there's ice on the lake, but really anytime from like mid October through, you know, April or so, you know, the lakes are going to be way cold enough to be able mm-hmm. to uh, get, you know, get pushed pretty hard and to, to get some of the health benefits out of it. So it's super easy to do really like on any body of water. I do recommend a lake as opposed to a river for obvious safety right. reasons. Right. Um, but yeah, you can go pretty much anywhere. And um, the key is if you are going, you know, when the ice has frozen over, it's great to always do this in groups of people, but there are, I'm, I know that if you like hop on Google, there's a lot of other places that you can figure out or like start your own group. But really all you need is a good ice saw to be able to, you know, cut a hole through the ice. How big of a hole do you want to cut? Um, Totally depends. You'll see pictures of people like in Scandinavia and stuff that just cut these little like two foot by two foot holes and basically just like hover themselves, you know, in it in deep water. Where I go, they make it purposely for a lot of people to go at once. So it's probably like 10 or 15 feet by 10 or 15 feet, so okay. a big square. Um, and it's like only four feet deep where we jump in and somebody drops down a ladder. Um, you and cannonball the, in? No, you don't. You probably could, but you'd probably make a lot of other people a little bit unhappy. So the group I go with, this is not like my group by any means. I'm not one of the organizers or anything, but I like have tagged along. And it's cool because what they do every year is they get a group of people that cuts out the hole and – pretty much every single day at sunrise there's a group of people that go and it's all just like everyone pitches in you do need to like sign a waiver to go into this specific area first they like worked with the city of minneapolis but everyone just kind of pitches in whoever's there first you bring a one person brings a big ice saw just like you we use you know for ice fishing if you're going to carve out like a big hole Mm -hmm. um and then like literally rakes, the same rakes that you would use to rake your yard in the fall. Those are really good for actually scooping out the chunks of ice. So you carve out the hole, but as every ice angler knows, yeah. these holes Big can, spear hole for, yeah, but yeah. they can freeze over very fast. So usually most days in the winter, it's going to have another like thin layer of ice to deal with in the morning. Um, so something to be mindful of if you are, you know, doing this with a group of people on your home lake or something, know Mm. that it's probably going to freeze over pretty regularly, but yeah, just have to maintain it open. Okay. So you've got a ladder in the water so you can get out. Uh, you don't do this on your own ever, ever, right? Not ever. Okay. So you've got somebody to pull you out if your body shuts down or, you know, like I, when I did the polar plunge, it was a cannonball. So that's, you know, and so it literally was like, Yeah, it takes your breath away. And isn't that funny how like polar plunge is like hugely popular and it's so difficult. 
But the people that do the polar plunge, you're usually in, and then you jump right out right away, right? You jump in, you jump out, yeah. And how, like, maybe 10 years ago, like, that's all anybody knew, and now this craze of getting into cold water and staying in for, you know, a minute to, you know, seven, eight minutes That's my next question is how long do you stay? Because you you go in slowly, which, I mean, like, even during the summer, people don't want to put their – you just got to get in, I have to imagine, because you don't want to be like, that is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Your yeah. voice would probably go that high too, but no, yeah. So I can talk through kind of like my own process Let's, for going in. Yes, so please. what I do if I'm doing this outdoor cold swimming, plunging, cold therapy, whatever you want to call it, um, a couple things. I wear a swimsuit there and sweatpants over it. Um, I was actually taught this by my sister-in-law's sister, who is one of the people that maintains this hole at Harriet. Um, it's really nice to bring like a yoga mat or something like that to set your stuff on so it doesn't like freeze on the ice. Good pair of wool socks, good pair of boots, hat, mittens, you name it. Um, and then the other key is to have some kind of water shoe. All of last year, I just went in with like water shoes that I used kayak fishing. Um, but actually like neoprene socks are helpful because you're walking across. Like last week when I did it, I was barefoot. So I'm like walking across a mostly frozen beach and a little bit of ice and bare feet and walking in on the sand. And like yeah. it, it's tough. So like that the cold hurt. is hard enough on your feet. But then, like, actually, like, walking across the ice and stuff, it's just, it's not fun. Yeah. One of the main themes of this whole thing is building mental toughness and mental resilience. But for me, I'm like, the cold is enough. I don't need to also <laughs> destroy my feet in the process. So I wear now a pair of neoprene socks. Um, I just, like, you know, you can get in, like, in any store that will sell wetsuits or Amazon or whatnot. Um, and what I do is I it's kind of the, a balance of going quickly enough that you don't psych yourself out, but not so fast that you go in with like too much like stress or anxiety around it. So I pretty much just when I decide that I'm going to jump in the water, whether it's swimming, you know, open water or getting in a cold shower in the morning or whatever, is just take a deep breath. I'm going to do this. Walk right up in the hole. It's get a down mentality the ladder. at yeah. this point. Get down the ladder as quick as possible um, and immediately try to tap into breathing. If anybody's been in cold water... Um, you know, it hits you like a thousand knives mm. all over your body. It takes your breath away. Um, and something that happens to everyone is, is that like shortness of breath. Um, do you go under? Do you do, uh, I don't. There's different schools of thought there. I like to go up to my neck. So whole body underwater. It's good, especially if you're doing it outside. I recommend keeping your hands above the water because something that people don't, it's great. Like it's, healthful to get your hands under the water. We can talk about that more too in a little bit. But um, I like to maintain some dexterity because what some people forget is when you're outside and you get out of the water, to me, that's the hardest part. The getting in, um, we'll jump back to like when you get in the water, I immediately go into like concentrating on breathing. So I just took a friend of mine again for her first time last week. We got in and the first thing, you know, I'm telling her is like, Breathe as deep as you can, inhale, exhale, you know, as slowly as you can. And that's one of the biggest challenges that that one of the main draws is this mental resilience. And it's being able to find peace and calm and inner strength in the face of these, you know, great challenges and great stressors. So tapping into breathing, um, if it's your first time or whatever, and again, I always go with groups, even if you stay in for 30 seconds – it's going to seem like a lifetime and it's going to be good for you. I recommend staying in it for probably like a minute or so first at my maximum by like 
midway through the winter, I might stay in for, you know, six or seven minutes. But when you get out, you've got to then dry off, bring a towel, you know, Mm -hmm. dry off. And you want to be able to have like your hands working to lace up your boots and stuff because you're cold and you get out. When I did the polar plunge, they had a hot tub. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You could go from the ice cold and you said Mm -hmm. the hot tub, you're like, okay, I can do this. I can move again. But you don't have any instant heat. No. What in the heck is the point of this now? That's that's, what I want to get to. Why are you doing it? So I can tell you from a little bit my personal story with it. So I've been one of those people that's been drawn to cold. I I think it's like a Minnesota thing, right? Um, For for much of my life. And I think for me, it started again. Another thing I do not recommend to people listening, but I, I remember like as a kid, my friends and I would like like go in a hot tub or whatever in the winter and try and to see who could, who could like lay in the snow that the was, longest. That's like needles. Yeah. That's like needles when you jump in the snow. Exactly. And I remember like as a, you know, 13 year old or whatever, thinking like I can lay in the snow longer than anybody. And just by like tapping into that, like breathing and mental resilience. And I liked that process. Um, and then like I did like ice tubs and stuff after sports, like many people do. But for me, one of the other turning points was actually on my camping trip that I went on after college in Alaska. I was there for a month and I was kayaking. And we, I remember we were practicing like wet exiting and like trying to roll kayaks, you know, like for safety reasons, mm-hmm. if you like tip over. Yep. Um, we were practicing that in water that literally was about a half mile away from icebergs. So this is like frigid, cold Alaskan water. And I remember they told us, you know, practice tipping your kayak. When you get upside down underwater, count to five before you try to exit as like training for us. And everybody was tipping and immediately popping out, you know, immediately popping out. And I remember when I went for it, I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm from Minnesota. We're all tough. I can do this. Tipping over and getting all the way, you know, five seconds, you know, with one one thousands in between. And again, hit me like needles. It was tough, but I loved that practice. And I noticed when I got out of the water and was on the beach that day, just feeling this surge of energy that I didn't know at the time was actually, I had like, you know, biological reasons behind it, but feeling like so fired up, so energized. And then when I started hearing about all these people, all these crazy people talking about cold exposure, I was like, I've, I've experienced that. Um, So I knew that it was something that I wanted to practice and get into. So what are the biological reasons behind it then? Sure. You want me to play doctor? Yeah. Okay. So there is a lot behind it. And for me, I will again say like the main reason that I do it is the mental resilience side of it. Um, So basically what happens when you experience any kind of stressor, including cold like this, your body releases like neurochemicals. Some people, you know, might call them hormones, but like, um, have you heard of norepinephrine and epinephrine or like Uh, adrenaline? Yeah. Yeah. So like an EpiPen, for example. Yes. So that is a neurotransmitter that actually that, you know, we can produce naturally in our bodies. And when you experience stressors, so whether that's, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic or your boss drops a big assignment on you or like big life upheaval, whatever it might be, and also experience cold water, those chemicals are released in your body. So, you know, that feeling of being like stressed out and nervous, maybe you're like your hands start sweating, you get a little mm-hmm. bit shaky, your heart, we've all been there. yeah, your heart rate raises, maybe you're hunting, for example, this is what I was think- thinking about earlier, it could help there too. That happens no matter what. So no matter how many times we're stressed in our life, we are going to experience that surge of chemicals making us feel stressed. 
But when you practice it and practice it in short doses, you're actually able to practice keeping clear-headed, basically keeping your composure and calming yourself down in those tough situations. So when you practice it, when other stressors come up in your life, you're more equipped to be able to handle that. So I was actually thinking about it when you're talking about hunting. Yeah. When and like I've for sure you know noticed a difference in my life. But um, when, for example, yeah, you you're you know looking at a buck in the woods or have a big musky following or something like that, or again are just dealing with like normal stressors of everyday life. When you've practiced it and practiced kind of tapping into your your hmm. calm. So it's a mental thing. Yeah. So. Is there a physical? There's many. There's many. Well, keep yeah. going then. I'm, so, I, this is why I wanted to talk yeah, about this because so, I have okay. to understand it. So that's the biggest one that I do it. Um, it's, it's a the lot. Men- so you do it mostly for the mental, but there's mm-hmm. also physical. Yeah, and takeaways. some would say, I mean, that is like a it's a it's growing accustomed to the physical changes that your body is experiencing in mm-hmm. stressors. Um, so one of the other reasons that I like doing it, and this is going to get sciencey. So again, I'm not a medical professional. I've studied this a lot, but yeah. I, I'm well, I mean, like after a football game, guys go lay in a ice tub. Yeah, you know, like yeah. so. so let's talk about a, that. Yeah. Okay, so it's a big thing with muscle recovery. Um, I would say that's like kind of a reason that I do it, but not really. But that's something that a lot of people will be familiar with. Mm-hmm. So it does, you know, that muscle delayed muscle soreness that people get after like lifting weights or doing hard exercise. That's going to be mainly due to essentially inflammation within your muscles growing. So cold can for sure help with that. It'll take away that pain. Essentially, it'll help your muscles heal faster from the damage that you do when you're actually like building muscle. So this is actually an, an kind of an interesting point that it is really good to have these bursts of cold water, this cold exposure, if you want to be able to do athletic um, you know, endeavors quickly after. So let's say you play a sport and you have a game again the next day and you want to recover fast. Cold is really good for that. But there are some studies that show that it can actually inhibit your ability to put on muscle specifically if you're using cold right after a workout. So it's good for recovering quickly, but if you're trying to like bulk up, are you trying to bulk up, Travis? Oh, put na- on a I mean, lot of muscle? Natural. This yeah. is natural right here. So, so I've just trying to maintain what I've got. Yeah. So if you're trying to bulk up on muscle, you might not want to do it within the so first lifting, couple hours. So if you're after. lifting weights versus like a cardio exercise, mm-hmm. you would want to do this after a cardio exercise where you're just trying to stay yeah. physically fit. You're not trying to, you know, set records for bench press or yeah. anything. And I'd say like something too to keep in mind with all this, I can like rifle off all these notes I have about different studies and things, but it's one of those things that like that. There's been so much research on this, and there's mm-hmm. a lot that's you know very well supported in, in a lot of studies, but things are always changing. As we know, something that we know to be fact one year, the next year, we, we're going to learn more information. So for me, I'd say if people are interested at home with dabbling in this, like at some point, you know, safety and stuff, that's non-negotiable, but it's also about like feeling what works well in your own body and how you respond to it. Yeah. So I think, you know, my wife is, she's all about researching. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm like a personal experience kind of person. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your personal experience with it or what, well, how it's worked for you type thing. So I always go back to that because I can trust mm-hmm. somebody that I know and what, what has it done? Cause you can read a lot on yeah. the internet and it goes both ways. Yeah. So for you mentally, mm-hmm. 
tough as nails now because oh, you yes. do this. <laughs> but but I do think it's helped for yeah, sure. Yeah. What in uh, what other ways? Okay. So the other big thing that this like totally wowed me. I don't know if you're as geeky as me and if this is going to wow you or not, but this is super well supported and a lot of research, a lot of studies. Um, I'm on the edge of my seat. And I know. So um, we all have, so, you know, fat on our bodies, right? Cold exposure helps our bodies, like literally on a genetic level within the fat cells, change white fat, which is like the, you know, blubbery fat that, you know, we all have, maybe we're on the midsection or whatever, helps convert it from white fat into what's called beige or brown fat. Literally, it is a different color. It's because of the mitochondria within the fat, and we don't need to get into that. But that, not only does it have some implications with raising metabolism that some people might like, but here's what I love about it. It actually helps us stay warmer. So you know when you see people who are super comfortable being out in the cold and people say like, oh, well, he's from Minnesota, right? He's used to it. (laughs) So that is actually a thing that when we convert white fat into brown fat, it literally helps us stay warmer. And for me, as much as I say I love winter and I love cold, like I'm like every other person. I get freezing cold and I'm out there. And I remember, you know, for example, my first time ice fishing or, you know, whatever, being out skiing or whatever in the winter, you know, cold is something that we all have to battle. Mm -hmm. And actually having cold exposure regularly will help us stay more accustomed. Do you know anything as far as circulation? Because that's a big deal. That's a big one too. Yeah. So people always say, I've got terrible circulation. My hands always get cold. My feet always get cold. What would something like this do for that? Anything? Yeah, so it for sure helps with circulation, and that's going to come with when you go into cold water, it's going to constrict your blood cells, Mm -hmm. or sorry, blood vessels. When you get out and you start warming, they're going to open back up again, and it's going to create that, like, pumping sensation. So it's actually going to, like, dilate your blood cells when you get out. So So you do this how, how often, how regularly? So I try to do cold exposure of some kind, again, like, as many days of the week as possible. Usually for me, it's like a cold shower in the morning. But again, my goal this winter is the cold plunging w- once a week. Yeah. And if it was like, if I had it like out, like behind my yard, you know, or something in my backyard, I'd probably go more often. Um, but you can do it as much as you want. They say most like scientists would agree about 11 minutes per week is a very, very rough average of what's going to be good for most people. Huh. So that can be broken up into like a couple minute sessions, you know, three or four to days a week. Two, uh, two questions on this. So you say that you do it at this place. Mm-hmm. I want to ask about that. But if somebody doesn't have an opportunity to go somewhere to do it, you mentioned you do it in the shower. Like, what does that look like? Do you yeah. do a regular warm shower and then for the last two minutes you put it on ice cold or what? Again, like everybody can do it different ways. I think, yes. So to also I'll point out, like for people who want to like really dive into the science side of this, I mm-hmm. can for sure do my best to, you know, I think regurgitate you as much as possible you, you, here. No, you're very knowledgeable but on this. You most, did a good job. Thank you. Most of this information comes from people have heard. Have you heard of Wim Hof? You've got to look him up. He's from, oh, I might mess this up. I think he might be Danish, but he is not a medical doctor or a scientist by trade, but he's w- definitely one of the pioneers in, he's got a book out. He's like nicknamed the Iceman. He's one of the people mm. that really popularized this and it was all very intuitive for him, but he's been tested. There's tons of crazy stuff from him. Um, so look up Wim Hof. I've learned a lot of this from Dr. Andrew Huberman, who has a podcast and shares a lot on social media. Um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, 
there are a few others. So people who really want to dive into like the biological mechanisms behind all this and the yeah. protocols, you can for sure go there for, you know, for more information. Um, but for cold, usually you want between 39 and 59 degrees is what most of the research has been done at, which in the winter in Minnesota, our showers definitely get that cold. I usually just get in for like five minutes first thing in the morning. So like this morning, my alarm went off. I jumped in the cold shower. You don't even start with warm. It just... No, you can, but... Nothing worse than the cold shower. Yeah, it sucks. You. Like I put my hand up there to block it until it's all warm water yeah, coming it out of it. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's like, that's part of it, right? So people, I think, you know, something to keep in mind with like all of health stuff, people can go too off the deep end with it, with like, in my humble opinion, like calculating every different thing and sure. like over-stressing about exactly what they need to do for like their health and wellness and stuff. For me, it's a lot more intuitive. And I think with cold, you want the experience to suck. Can I say suck? Yeah. yeah. You want it to be uncomfortable, but safe. And if it's uncomfortable for you, you are going to be practicing that mental resilience. Hmm. But if it's between 39 and 59 degrees and you're in for, they usually say about a minute minimum, you're going to be getting some of these benefits. So I mean, there's implications for mood. It releases dopamine. Many people, you know, associate dopamine with like the happy hormone, the thing that makes you... So you come out of this happy? You come out of it happy. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about too. So that's what I was experiencing when I was in Alaska. I felt super happy and not only happy, but energized. Um, so dopamine, people call it the happy hormone. It definitely makes you happy, but it also is associated with um, increased focus and drive for succeeding goals. So there is a study, I wrote down the number, but... These individuals were in 57 degree water. Um, and this was, they were in for a long time. They were in, don't quote me, but I think for like 30 minutes or so. So 57 degrees is moderately tolerable, yeah, right? Yeah. We're not talking 39 degrees. Um, but they had a increase in dopamine. It went up 250% and lasted for many hours. So not only do you get out of the water, you feel energized, you feel happy, but it'll actually last for a long part of your day. Wow. So another part of this I'm for me to too. Try this I know, now. Yeah, I know. I'm keep, throwing keep a lot it going. out there. Yeah, keep it but going. So another part of this for me that I think a lot of people listening who maybe aren't like super stoked and excited to hear about words like dopamine and norepinephrine and like, what are you talking <laughs> sure. about? Yeah. But the anecdotes behind this, I think, in many ways, speak for themselves. The anytime you bring somebody to do this, again, provided they're healthy and they get a thumbs up from, you know, a doctor. The experience is so rewarding, especially, I think, for outdoor lovers doing this outside. So if you like, you know, wherever you're listening to this, if you just like Google cold plunge, Google image it, right? Mm -hmm. You'll see these beautiful lakes in the winter, you know, trees and snow and these people in the in the water. And I love to go out if I can at sunrise. It's good because, you know, it boosts your energy first thing in the morning and actually helps set your circadian rhythm and whatnot. But being out on the lake at sunrise, especially with a group of people, it's such a different way to experience winter and to experience cold. Because yeah. I think for we, you know, we're outdoor lovers here. Most of the people listening love the outdoors. We already feel like in tune, right? But I think there's even like a little aspect that when I'm ice fishing in the winter, I'm loving nature, right? You see the, the beauty and you're catching fish and it's great, but there's this little piece of you that's still kind of fighting against nature, right? You're trying to stay warm mm -hmm. and, you know, get in the ice house and, you know, wear our, you know, suits that make everything so easy. 
But there's something about this experience when you're actually going in intentionally to suffer along with, you know, the people around you, but along with nature and to not Mm -hmm. try to fight it at all. You're in a swimsuit, you know, there's no, there's literally no barrier. And I think that experience of really, you know, literally diving into it and being out there for the sunrise, being out there for the cold, Mm -hmm. to me, that like that nature experience is different than even some of the other ones that we are so used to. Well, here's something similar to that. Um, Ron Sher and I were talking. Mm -hmm. He was just in South Dakota filming a pheasant hunt out there. And we were talking about how brutal it was Mm because it was during a blizzard and it was cold. And he's like, you know, when you get out there, um, you know, as a group, you're all experiencing it together. Mm -hmm. So the brutalness of the 40 mile an hour winds and the snow hitting you in the face, it's not happening to just me. It's happening to all of us. Yes. So now as a group, we're collectively experiencing something that we have to push through together. Mm-hmm. And it it brings you closer in a way that you can't describe because you're all forced to power through this yeah. together. And and it's just a, a community way of mm-hmm. growing closer to other people going through something together. Yeah. That wasn't something they chose to do. I don't think any of those yeah. guys would have jumped into a, a, a lake during that yeah. hunt. But it just goes back to like that building that mental. Yes. And that's something that, like, again, last week, because it's so fresh in my mind when I brought my friend Erin for her first time. She's, like, super tough and does, like, you know, crazy mountain biking and all sorts of outdoor things, And but she'd never done cold plunging. And that experience of bringing her out, we actually went at sunset, so a little different just when it worked for our schedules. But beautiful sunset, you mm-hmm. know, nobody out on the lake. It was just the two of us at the time. And being able to, like, walk her through the process and like, okay, we're going to go. Time to take off the jackets and take off your shoes and we're going to go into it. And kind of seeing her face when we got in the water. Because I warned her. I'm like, Mm. it's going to hurt. Like, it's going to be cold. Seeing her face go like, oh, my, what have I just done? And it's like, keep on walking because we had to, like, walk out there, you know. But then being able to together be like, okay, take a deep breath. And seeing, like, you can literally see in both of our faces the, like, that shock of that, you know, the, the cortisol and the other stress hormones like firing up and then being able to breathe through it yeah. and then find some comfort. It was just such a cool shared experience. And you're treated by, again, nature and When she got sunset. out, was she happy she did it? She was. That's another thing. She was immediately just like pumped. And we stayed in for one minute. It's more than enough to me. I'm like, I mean, there's people, more power to them. There's people that stay in for 20 minutes, whatever. But I'm like, I don't know. That's Honestly, once you're in, to me, that's, it's not that bad to stay in. Something to actually be careful of. I've stayed in too long before when you're in. It's like you get used to it. And yeah. you're kind of like, yeah, this is good. You start, start feeling like a furnace a firing. Yeah. I mean, your cognitive ability decreases like 30 to 80%. Wow. In the short term. Right. In the Once you get out, it increases. But um, yeah, you, I, I've stayed in a little too long before. But Provided you aren't pushing it too far and you're, you know, doing this gradually and staying in for minutes more than enough. It was so fun when Aaron and I were on the beach and it was the two of us, there was little ice crystals forming on the, you know, right where the water was hitting the beach and she was fired up. I was fired up and I can tell you it's anecdotal evidence, but I could not go to sleep that night before midnight because I had done this at, it boosts your energy. Wow. So Sweet. So yeah. I've gone through the ice on accident on Lake of the Woods. Uh-huh. Thankfully, we all survived it. Um, and then I did the polar plunge, you know, so I've been in frozen water a couple times. Um, there's a shock yeah. that, that goes in. Do you feel like 
being comfortable in this scenario, not saying that you, let's hope that you never experience mm-hmm. a tragedy, but tragedies happen all yeah. the time. Um, you feel like you could get out. Like you could mentally just be like, okay. Cause I think what happens is there's this shock mm-hmm. that uh, your body goes into. And then some people maybe go delirious. Mm-hmm. That can happen. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but then you have to like, okay, how am I going to get out? Yeah. Once I go back in, like if you fall through the ice. Yeah. And that's where, you know, we, hopefully everyone's wearing a f- float suit and has picks around their neck and things like that when they are ice fishing. But that is something, it's interesting you bring that up because somebody, I posted about this on Instagram last week and somebody said like, oh, so that time I went through the ice was actually good for me. <laughs> yeah. And there is like a little caveat here. Oftentimes this whole process is called deliberate cold exposure. Mm-hmm. It is there are, I guess, negatives or drawbacks that come along when it is truly like a shock to yourself and this isn't mm-hmm. something that you were planned. That that's We're by no means saying that falling through the ice is good for you because it is, I mean, that that's a huge shock to your system. But I do think, again, there's everyone does this cold therapy stuff who does it for different reasons. Some people are probably just nuts, but no, they mm-hmm. people all have different reasons. But I do think specifically for outdoors people, it's uniquely beneficial because, again, that resilience, when you're out, you know, in the middle of the winter, ice fishing or whatever, you're able to just, you know, handle it a little bit better. But things like that, too, for example, if you fall through the ice, it's not your first time experiencing that shock. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was somebody that I prided myself on handling cold. Oh, I do cold showers. I can do it. I've been to Alaska. I've laid in the snow. You know, you heard the stories earlier. But the first time I went in, on Lake Harriet, like into the lake to hang out in a swimsuit. It was like, oh boy. Next level. This is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, this is, I'm just kind of like emphasizing the safety on this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I do know that somebody that drowned one time Mm -hmm. uh, right before the lake froze, um, actually found, found him under the ice after. Wow. It's a whole nother story mm-hmm. for a whole nother time. But I guess like the safety side yep. of this and knowing, I mean, that that was not what this person was trying to do. But mm-hmm. when he hit the water, the like nobody understood how he got where he got. Yeah. Was it the shock? Did he go into panic mode? Mm-hmm. Did he try swimming to shore, but then went the wrong way? Um, ultimately drowned yeah um so i think like i I mean even i didn't know i was even gonna bring this up but i just like it it's just the importance of understanding what that that cold can do to a body and the importance of doing this with somebody else always and i would guess you know like you mentioned they do it out in the middle i've seen them where they do it on the middle of these lakes Mm -hmm. and it's deep water you know i would want to do it in nothing deeper than three or four i don't know why the deep water. Is that thing. a European thing? I don't know. I, or they might not be. Maybe they're shallow lakes. I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, for sure. I mean, we can't stress the safety aspects of this enough. Because mm-hmm. again, even if like, you know, healthy people and stuff, it, it really can be a shock to your system. But provided mm-hmm. you go into it gradually, you've gotten clearance from a doctor, you're with a group of people. Um, yeah, it can do so much for you. And I do think like... Can I sit here and say like, oh yeah, if you practice this, you know, the, this is gonna, you know, save lives in in you know, those, you know, very difficult situations. Like I I don't know, I can't say that, but being able to practice it to me, 
it can't it can't be a bad thing. You've convinced me. I'm gonna try it. I I, I feel like I'm doing an once. only okay job of convincing you. No, you had a lot of reasons, and you there's a lot up more. The, there's more. <laughs> well, I think so, but we don't need to. Like, yeah. Okay. Real quickly, like, explain what what else there is that I you haven't already said. This is where. I need to go, let me just go just quick, get a medical degree and then come Ooh. back and be able to like, really, really. But no, I mean, that's, that's the, the main stuff. Like there's, for people who are interested, there are so many really cool studies that they can go read about. There's, again, there's, there's podcasts, there's websites, mm -hmm. there's books. Um, I, again, maybe I shouldn't try to like regurgitate all of it here, but there, there's so oh, much. I think you did a good job, honestly. Okay. I, I, I'm going to try it now. Mm -hmm. I have to do it now just to see, because you can't deny that cold that when I've been in it afterwards being like, whoa, yeah. you know, yeah. so it wakes you up. I mean, sorry, people I have been like, up, and you just woke, yeah. I woke up Daisy. Sorry, it's been Daisy. people have said it forever, right? It's like yeah. a cold shower in the morning wakes yeah. you up and there are reasons behind it. But I think like if people remember like n nothing else from this, this cold swimming outside in the winter, number one, it's just a, it's a unique and different way for nature lovers and winter lovers or people who don't love winter but they're nature lovers to be mm -hmm. able to get out and experience nature really alongside of it in a, in a very different way, yeah. especially on these beautiful days, you know, beautiful skies and, you know, people and yep. everything. So number one, the nature experience. Number two, can help you actually get tougher. Mental to health, to, physical health. Yeah, and it, it, is, it does have implications for, you know, physical health. Mind, body, and soul. I was so. going to ask you, I think I said two questions, and mm -hmm. then I got to one, and then I never came back mm -hmm. to it. Where do you go if you want to join one of these groups? Like, can you just start searching for yeah. this? So the one, I hope I'm not bombarding this group too much, but they've had a lot of publicity, so I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, Harriet, if you Google like Harriet Magic Hole, they have a Facebook group that I believe that's still where you find the waiver. Um, but so yeah, you can go on there and there's actually yeah, plenty of information. We're actually, can I give it away? We're gonna be doing a story yeah. on them yeah. for Due North. Yep. So yeah, we're gonna be um filming with them in about a month or so. So cool. hopefully it'll go up this year so people can see it uh on our show firsthand. But um then there are other places too that people can go if they wanna practice before doing an actual plunge. Um, in the lake. So there's a really cool place called Embrace North that's local here in the Twin Cities that is not in a lake, but they've got ice baths and saunas and things like that. So that's a great resource. They've got a Facebook, I think, Instagram and website. So if people want to practice that, um, you know, starting in your shower is always a good place to go. We didn't get to this part of it, but you mentioned sauna. Do you, mm. you also like you're smiling now because <laughs> yeah. you like that just as much as the cold. Yeah. Hold on. Let me pull up on my sauna research. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love sauna too. For and more health reasons, mental more health reasons. Yeah. And it just feels so dang good right. too. Like, right. yeah, there's all the health reasons, but, um, something you do see people a lot going from cold into sauna back to cold. Um, there's, uh, you know topic for another episode if All you right. want to do a sauna right. episode. Uh, another topic for another episode. I feel like it's Christmas season. People are looking for gift ideas. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like we're already an hour and 15 are minutes we? into this oh conversation. I know. Okay. So we won't continue it now, but I feel like, I don't know, if somebody were to say, what would be a great gift idea for the woman in my life? What would you tell them? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Mm -hmm. um, are we thinking in the outdoor realm? You know what I would this say? This is an outdoor show, so yes. I'm not going to say any 
there, there's not a specific brand I'll point to, but a good pair of warm boots. Yeah. That is like, I feel like we talk about this all the time, but like one of the biggest barriers to enjoying the outdoors is not having the right gear and comfort. Yep. And to me, that still is like the ongoing thing. It's like everything. There's so much, so many great, you know, products and gear and stuff that can help you keep warm. But I feel like the one thing that I hear people, uh, you know, rightfully complaining about most and preventing them from doing more outside is right the cold here. feet. Yeah. Um, little note, can I drop another little fun yeah. fact on? Something Brian's that, not here. We can do whatever yeah, we want. Okay. So for men, women, whoever, one of the biggest mistakes people always make is wearing too many pairs of wool socks mm-hmm. underneath in their shoes. So they're strict to circulation. Circulation, yeah. yeah. So uh What's the? What's I always the, tell people. So if you're a size nine, mm-hmm. get a if warm boots, winter boots. Go nine and a half. Yeah, you want to give room. yourself some room there because if it's tight, if it's tight, you're gonna be cold. Yeah, it's just like gloves. Same thing. If you got tight fitting gloves, your hands are gonna get cold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why so, mittens are the bomb. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, don't wear two pairs of wool socks. Wear one good pair. But um, yeah, a good pair of really warm boots for whatever the activity, whether it's you know you want to do hiking or you know cross country skiing or ice fishing or what, whatever you need, just get the warmest ones because that having cold feet ruins the day real fast. Yeah, well, I feel like get style. them for your, your you know sister everyone's or your always wants to be stylish too. Yeah, so that's a hard thing sometimes. Not going to generalize here, but sometimes <laughs> getting warm boots doesn't mean you get yeah. the most stylish boots. But and there's now we have options that are both really warm and really stylish, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. In my fashion opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, warm boots. How about you? What What's a, what's a gift everyone needs to buy their brother or well, husband or uh, guy friend this or father this Christmas? Well, we're actually, as you've probably heard already, um, we're trying to help the DNR get the word out about lifetime licenses. So Mm. I got both of my boys' lifetime licenses already, sportsman's licenses. Um, We got one for our nephew this year, if he's listening right now. Sorry to spoil this, buddy, but you're getting a (laughs) lifetime sportsman's license. Um, And I'm doing the same for – we're doing the same for my dad this year, getting him a lifetime fishing license. Uh, It's just such a sweet gift. You know, like the, if my kids don't want to hunt or fish, that's okay. But they're always, they always will have that if the price goes up, you know, or if they leave the state and come back, they don't have to worry about getting a non-resident fishing license. They can always fish. And it's a gift that also the money from our licenses go back into the mm-hmm. the wildlife, into that's the great. habitat, you know, so it's a... I think it's just an awesome gift to give somebody. Um, it is a. It depends on like how old you are. If you're under three or under four, that's like the most beneficial time to get it because uh, it's a very inexpensive time period mm-hmm. to purchase it. It's the cost of it is really low at that age, um, and then it goes up from like four to fourteen or something like that, and then from fourteen to fifty, and then from fifty to you know different mm-hmm. different prices, but. It's such a sweet gift. That's I have friends just, that like literally the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, forever, <laughs> forever. Um, I have friends that when it first became a thing in Minnesota, their dad got it for them, or mm-hmm. their parents got it for them for Christmas, and I was like, oh, what a sweet gift! Like, mm-hmm. you mean you never have to buy a license ever again? Nope, they're always always covered. You just go in, you print it out, it's free. You never have to pay for it. So I just like I'm totally behind that as a gift idea, um, and I. I posted some 
uh, photos of my kids and I and, and just like telling people like, here's a great gift idea this year if you're, if you're thinking about it. You know, kids don't, at least in my opinion, um, what I remember growing up were not tangible gift mm-hmm. toys, things that my grandparents got me or my parents got me necessarily. Like I still have the original rifle dip my dad got yeah. when I was 12. I still I shot my deer with it this year, you know. So some of those gifts, yes, but that's kind of like a gift that keeps giving. You know, mm-hmm. but like toys and things when they're yeah. young, you know, like they come and go or fads change, you know, right, like, yeah. but that is such a sweet gift. Yeah. I just, I and just. And it's promoting really, such a good you know, yeah. activity for them. Yes. Part of their lifestyle. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I think that if I had to pick just one thing, that would be the gift. Um, well done today. Uh, you came oh, so thanks. prepared. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm legit excited to do this cold thing. What do you call I it again? I hope you do. Cold plunge, cold, cold plunge, cold. Okay. Deliberate cold exposure. Yeah. Cold so therapy. I'm going to have my, I'm going to have my wife listen to this too. And then we'll figure out if we can join the Harriet club or something like that yeah. to try it one time. I have to have to experience it now. Maybe we'll put some links in the show notes too, for people who want to dive yeah, in totally. more. And then for a picture, I was like, as you were explaining it, I have a picture of me in the air, in the cannonball, oh, jumping in on the pole. You know how when you do <laughs> yeah. those, they always have. For sure. So like, you can have this nice, you know, well-staged photo and then I'll just yeah. be this, like the guy in yeah. uh, whatever the uh, insurance ad where he wrecks everything. Oh <laughs> so yeah. You're, like, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Mayhem. Mayhem. Yes, exactly. All right. Well done. Cool. Merry Christmas, everybody. We're back in... Two weeks. We'll be back before Christmas. All right. Well, then I'll tell you Merry Christmas then, too. (laughs) All right. We're out.